and welcome to a football podcast with myself, Christian Jack, and Stephen Caldwell. Today, we think we're going to chat about Bayern versus Liverpool. We know we're going to chat about TFC decimated in Panama. We may get to Chelsea's defeat in the FA Cup. Nani to Orlando, Harry Kane, Pesuelo Watch, Diego Forlan, and more. Before we get into today's matches, we have an announcement to make. Jonathan Azorio and Justin Morrow are confirmed to join us on February 28th at the Rivoli for our live podcast taping in Toronto. Get on the website and you can buy your tickets there. These will not be the only guests on the show. We'll be announcing a handful more over the next week or so. So head over to afootballpodcast.com and get your tickets before they are gone. Stephen Caldwell is here, fresh off the commentary. We should tell everybody we're taping this right now at um, close to midnight following the game in Panama. Um, And so apologies for that rundown. If we don't get to any of that and this just turns out to be a 90-minute TFC fest, well, (laughs) so so be it. Um, Clayton's here. Sean Case here. He's got about a million questions uh, after we tweeted... um, Hashtag ask AFP. <laughs> but I guess that's what happens uh, when you lose 4-0 in Panama. A good thing about this is that you and I were separated by, I don't know, a, a few a few good yards in the TSN yeah. studio. You were you were calling the game. I was in studio. Um, so we haven't really talked about this. No, so, not. Which is kind of good. So I really have no idea where to start here. Um, maybe we can start with, is it over? It looks like it's done, Yeah. I'm not saying it's over. I still think they have a chance. I don't know where they're going to get the inspiration from after okay. what I've just saw out there tonight. Uh, but Maybe they can sign Neymar or something. Yeah. They win 6-1. They're going to need somebody like that. But I, I, I don't think it's over. But, in, you know, after seeing what we saw tonight, the, the quality, first and foremost, from Independiente and the ineptness of TFC and defence, attack, midfield, every area of the pitch, yeah. you would think it's over, but you can't rule them out of more Field. We never saw Independiente tested defensively as well. No. So if they get something going, who knows, but highly unlikely. And you do feel they might score at Bimo Field as well, KG. Yeah, I would think that. I figured you'd go there. That's why I started there, just to start a little bit of a positive. That's about the only positive <laughs> we can get is that Stephen Cole was slight hopes. So you're saying there's a chance um, <laughs> that, that, that might come back. So let's get into it. If you're a TFC fan, you may not want to listen, but you probably will because um, I mean, you're used to this by now. I just came off TSN Sports Center and I was asked to sum it up. And these these Sports Center hits can be pretty challenging. You have so much things to say in so little time. You've done many yeah. of them yourself. I called it one of the most embarrassing defeats in club history. I think they played 480 competitive matches and there's been a lot of bad defeats during the years. Um, But I use the word embarrassing because I don't think anyone saw that coming. Um, And in the end, um, I also said this, you know, Greg Vanny, we played a clip of him talking to me at the beginning where he asked for the... I'm paraphrasing here, but he asked for the benefit of the doubt. And then he asked, basically said, look, you know, you need to be able to trust us here, you know, because of what we've accomplished. That will weigh very, very thin after a performance like that, won't it? It certainly will. And it should, because it was a performance devoid of the most important things needed. Uh, basically an appetite to go out there and roll up the sleeves and, and, and go on with the job and, and work hard and stop another team from playing first and foremost and earn the right to play. That's something we say often in football, KJ. you got to earn the right to play. I've heard it since I was a 14-year-old kid up until one of my last games and I, I've managed to play a lot of different levels of the game of football. And you have to earn the right to play. You have to go out there and dominate your opponent. First and foremost, you're a centre-half, you're playing against a centre-forward, you win your header, you win your battle, you're a midfielder, you go over the top of your midfielder, you, you, you show some strength in the tackle, you, you push him the other way, so you earn the right to play football. They didn't do that from the start. 
costly error. The, the, the biggest error that you can make is yep. not give your utmost in a game of football. And that was the beginning. And it went from bad to worse because after that, the tactics were all wrong. The style of play from TFC was not conducive to the pitch, not conducive to the atmosphere and the surroundings of the team that they were playing. And the homework done on the team that they were playing must have been so shoddy and and not thorough enough because their tactics played into the qualities of the opposition. That's mm. what I couldn't believe as I'm calling that game live and I'm trying to bring in all the different aspects that needed to, to you know to do the broadcast. I just couldn't believe that the fullbacks kept tucking inside, that they allowed the space in the wide areas and that they kept making mistake after mistake after mistake. And again, a TFC side with no real leadership and nobody that said, okay, hang on a sec, let's get this together, let's bunker in, let's be difficult to beat, let's understand we're not at our best here. Let's uh, assess an opposition quickly and go, okay, they got a couple of decent players here. Yeah. we got to go and hit one of them with a tackle. we got to go and win a header. we got to go and tighten in in certain areas and make it difficult for a Brown or, or an Ivy to, to do the work that they were doing. None of that happened. And it continued from the first minute to the 90th minute. And it's extremely alarming. Yeah, you bring up a lot of points, a lot of layers to this. So let's try and, let's try and break them all down. Let's try and, you know open this all up I said at half time I showed some clips tactically that, that, they, that they were trying to work on and you know I find at that point our half times are very condensed I'm just trying to show clips to the viewers just to educate a little bit of what they're going to do I can't always bring my own opinion into those as well but I did try and get across the point that I thought that maybe this word's a bit strong but I, I personally didn't say this word but I thought it was quite tactically arrogant um, because I felt that they went about playing the way that they wanted to play uh, regardless of the consequences. Yeah. Now, I don't believe that they ever believed they were going to lose 4-0. Uh, but I'm sure, and Greg Valley's a smart man, I'm sure that he felt they could go there and lose tonight. You've got to evaluate your own talent better than anybody else. I say that all the time. And nobody could convince me that you can look at that TFC team and think that they they could have just walked a game like tonight. It doesn't matter who they're playing, okay? It doesn't matter who they're playing because for a number of reasons. First of all, it's the first game of the season. They haven't played any competitive minutes. They've got so many individual stars not there anymore or injured. Um, game changers. <clears throat> so I felt he probably went into the game thinking this is more important for me to put my imprint on what I want this team to look like in 2019 than the actual result. That's how I felt. Now, I don't think he expected to lose 4-0, but do you know where I'm going here? Yeah. I felt that he felt, it, regardless of what happened, this is how I want to play in 2019. And from day one, this is what I'm going to show. And, and by consequence of that, hopefully they can lead to a, a win or a draw. Yeah. But in the end, it went the other way. Before I get to the other stuff, do you think that I'm right? Is that fair? It is fair. Um, the one thing I'm going to say about that is that he did something that he's not done in his TFC career as, as head coach so far. He tried to put pieces into a formation. Something that we've always said, like a credit to Greg Vanny, is the way that he had two designated players. He had Jovinko and Altidore. He didn't really want to play a 4-4-2 diamond or a 3-5-2 in previous years, but he knew that's what he had and that's how he had to play. But tonight he went into a, a hostile environment, and I say that with all due respect. There was about two and a half thousand people there. It was there. hostile on the pitch. It was hostile on the pitch. It was uncomfortable. And he went and he tried to fit... 
square pegs and round holes. Right. And that really shocked me. What he was asking from from Justin Morrow and, and you know, a, a, a rookie in Griffin Dorsey was, was just ridiculous. He's asking them to play like Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sani. Yeah. You know, he was bringing in Auro. He looked like a fish out of water. He, he was his worst performance in a TFC shirt mm. uh, by a mile. And, and Ashton Morgan really came inside credit or whatever you want to say about Ashton Morgan. But he went, there's no way I'm going in there because I know I'm, I'm going to be in real trouble if I go in there. Yep. The second half, we saw him do it a little bit more, particularly for that second goal where he left his area. He was in the centre of the park. They gave the ball away quickly down the sides, quick throw in, and, and obviously the goal from Brown. But... He's asking guys to go and play in positions that, that is very alien to them. He's then asking too much of Dorsey and Morrow in the wide areas. Bradley, who is not the best defensive midfield player in terms of the way that he, he defends the play, yes, he can start attacks, was just as isolated, if not more, than we've ever seen him. Alarmingly, yeah. Alarmingly. Yeah. And then two central defenders who, Laurent Simon's a wonderful player, he's great at stepping forward, he's nice on the ball is not a brilliant defender, doesn't really want to defend, so uh, left him vulnerable, 1v1 situations. Mavinga as well, even though he's quick, was was super high at times and there was space in behind. And against a team like Independiente, with an appetite to run in behind. I don't think they did their homework well enough, TFC. I think they, they watched a bit of video. I don't think they assessed Independiente as well as they should have and you're right, everything was about them and what they were going to do, sorry, and how Greg Vanny was going to stamp his authority and his new look TFC 433 mm. on the game and they got embarrassed. Your word was perfect. I think I said it once in the, the broadcast, but I was thinking that exact thing. It was an embarrassment yep. for a team that have been, apart from the blip of last year, pretty consistent. That was embarrassing. That was as bad as probably any TFC performance in history. Right, there you go. So let's get into this. Um, I want to talk about profiles of players. Now, <clears throat> we've talked about and we've now identified, again, we're on the same page and what we think he wants to play. And I mentioned it in the broadcast, he went to see Manchester City three times. And I don't want to say this as a negative, that some people will jump on it. I, I didn't say it as a negative. I, I know Greg Vanny, and I certainly know when I talk about this, he's not trying to compare Toronto FC to Manchester no. City. However, it is part of the discussion because it's how he wants his team to play. Now, I want to lay that out there and I want to say this. I might be wrong here. I don't think they have enough technical players to play that way. Now, when I think of the great TFC teams of the last two years, the games that they won, they I don't think they had the best technical players on the field sometimes. Yep. Now, I look at the team and I think, okay, well, Simon and Mavinga, technically, I can see what you're trying yep. to play. Okay, I can see that. I look at the midfield and I don't think they have a technical player in the three. I don't think they have what I would class as being a technical player. Yeah. Now, they've got... Jonathan Azorio, who is, is has improved leaps and bounds in his game, and he's, he can score more goals. And I think his capacity of reading the play is improving a lot, and getting between the lines is his strength. Michael Bradley's strengths speak for themselves. Delgado brings energy, and he's a runner. But they don't have the player who can pick the final pass. They don't have the player who can break open plays and and and, and quality out yeah. of nothing. So. That's my concern when playing this. You went away from home in a Champions League first leg. You got to make sure you stay in that tie. Stay in the tie. I said at halftime on CSN, stay in the tie. Yeah. Yet, as you mentioned, Bradley's isolated. These guys are playing way too high. 
way too high for me. And I'm talking about Delgado and Osorio, instructed, by the way, to play yeah. that way. They're following instructions. And then you, you've got no technical players behind the ball to open the game up. When Even when you get the ball back, you've got five players above uh, ahead of the game. And that's not that's not how you need to play the game away from home in a Champions League game, not in any level. No, and you're, you're right in saying that Osorio and, and Delgado are sort of key to this formation. And um, we're not comparing Manchester City to TFC, but the, the style of the play was, was based on the way Manchester City play. And in that case, the two higher midfield players need to get in great pockets of space and need to receive the ball and play it forward. You know, that's the key. So so what you're trying to do is you're, you're almost playing like two number 10s. I thought Osorio did it okay in the first half and I mentioned it in the broadcast. He didn't have great runs beyond him. He didn't have did great he? runs, but, but he was in good was space his, at times teammates. and he was a spare man and, and I uh, felt that that was the key. If they can get it into Osorio, he, he's got enough about him and, uh, you know, enough ability and awareness to sort of receive it on the turn and then play forward. And you're, you're bang on, KJ, Unfortunately, and, and I felt sorry for Justin Morrow in that left wing because it's not his position. No. It never has been and it never will be his position. He's great when he comes from deep. He's a brilliant runner. He makes intelligent runs, but you don't ever want him to be 1v1 against a, a right fullback. He's not got the ability to go by people. So Azorio, even when he did get it in good areas, had nothing really on to, to do any work. And Delgado has never been that player. Marky Delgado is... is a fit football player, he runs around the field, he's got a great engine, he can get around the park and he should win the ball back and play it simple. He's good when he moves from out uh, into out, sorry. He starts in that central area, he makes good runs out to wide areas, stretches a team. Why is that important? Because then you can play entry passes into mm -hmm. Javinko and Altador. Right. It didn't happen tonight because he was asked to play as like a number 10. He was to stay inside because the whole theory of the team was to drag Independiente and Narrow and then give it out to wide areas Correct. tomorrow and Dorsey. Now let's go there. Young Dorsey's just started his professional career. He's been playing college soccer and in fairness to Dorsey, the leap between college soccer and, and CONCACAF Champions League is enormous. Mm -hmm. And the poor lad looked like he was out of place because he was in a situation that was so alien to him, playing on an awkward turf field that wasn't conducive to his quality and running style of play. And he was asked to then, you know, be an impact player in a game where you were asking too much of the lad and you're playing a left fullback in the other area. That whole formation, this 4-3-3 of City, is geared around getting these guys in 1v1 mm -hmm. situations. Now, Manchester City have Chelsea, Leroy Sané. as well. Exactly. Yeah. Leroy Sané and Raheem Sterling. Bayern Munich played it as well when Pep was there a few years ago. Mm -hmm. Ribéry, Robin. It's a formation geared to quality wingers. Now, we'll see if TFC go and get the quality wingers, but one thing's for sure is they don't have them at the moment. They don't have the guys to play it. So why are you playing it? in such a difficult environment in the first game and why are you asking these things of guys who are nowhere near 100% fit who have not practiced it enough not worked on it enough and don't have the pieces to play it properly mm. and we should say that Nick Leon was supposed to play instead of Griffin Dorsey and his back spasmed up um, the day before the game <clears throat> that's one area that didn't go in Greg, yeah. Greg Vanney's favour but your point is valid That this, this is the other thing Toronto fans Toronto FC fans are going to ask for so 
the, the, the talk about the, the, the Sebastian Jovinko effect and how you're going to replace him is valid. And we're going to get to that in a second. But as clear as evidence tonight is that it isn't one player they're replacing. It isn't one player they need to sign. It is quite, quite arguably at least three. Yeah. So, you know, they, they, they need at least three players here. And probably they will get three players. But if they get two... Which two would you, which two are you looking for? Are you looking for and now we have the structure yeah. of the players in your system? Are you looking for your two Y players? Do you want one of them and somebody who's playing in midfield? Because Pozuelo isn't a Y. He's not I, I, in that system. Yeah. Pozuelo can't play hugging the touchline. No. That is not his strength. If that's if Pozuelo's there tonight and you're playing four three three, Marky Delgado's on the bench. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, I agree. That's, that's the position. That's his position. That's the position. The first one I'd go for is a wide player, a right. dynamic wide player who can dribble and run and take people on. That is critical if they're going to play that 4-3-3 again. So Pozuelo for me is it would not be my number one designated player pick. Now, you can go and get a TAM player that's good enough to play that role. So maybe they're looking for that area for that. But they definitely need that number 10. Mm. They need that guy alongside the Zorio. No disrespect to Delgado. I, I think he's got a lot of qualities but I don't know where he fits within that system because when he's high and he's inside like that, he looks really awkward. He looks like he's uncomfortable. He's careless with his passing. There was a couple of times he actually got it in good little areas and it was just that final 10-yard pass, played it right into uh, Vinci a couple of times into the left fullback. So there was a number of areas where he, he, he let himself down. He's trying to going to do more than he can, though. Exactly. Inevitably, when you sorry to interrupt, inevitably when you remove those creative pieces, other people need to step up. And he's seeing himself as one of the senior members of the squad. And we're back to asking in, uh, athletes to do something they can't. You're asking players to play in positions that they're not comfortable in. Uh, you know why? Why don't you go four two three one and someone a little bit different? Allow Delgado to play alongside Bradley protect him a little bit and, and roam around get the ball back give it to Michael or Fraser. let him play forward or Fraser but um, with that formation when, when you're you're asking Michael to be that linchpin that playmaker this is a lot like Chelsea you know you think of it and in, in, uh, you know the MLS level this is a lot like Chelsea you're asking a guy like Bradley to, to, to be that playmaker and play the ball forward now we've never seen enough forward passes not just from Michael from a number of players and I said this so many times last season, KJ. It just goes from side to side to side. You go from one side to the other side quickly, and then you play into a striker. And when TFC did that last year, it was fantastic. We didn't see it enough. But when they go quickly from one side to the other, and then they, they, they go centrally and they get runners off it, they almost inevitably create a chance or score a goal. Tonight, it was just side to side to side. There was a 40-year-old midfielder playing centre-half. Yeah. Never asked him a question. No. In fairness to Terence Boyd, did he ever get one ball in his feet? He played with a cigar in his mouth, didn't he? He did. He yeah. never had a challenge. And Boyd never got one cross in no. that he could attack or one ball in his feet that was any kind of decent quality with runners off him. I felt sorry for the guy. I know he missed the penalty. He made a mistake. He leaned back a little bit. His technique was wrong. But in fairness... What an awful debut for the lad. He, he got no passes. I'm no, surprised he took him off, actually. I was. I just felt like, why take him off? Just play to his strengths. Get it in the wide areas. Throw it in the box. Go a little bit ugly. Change it up. Do anything you need to do to get a result. 
go back to the drawing board and then work on the, the formation and the system mm. that you want to get to. But again, you're right in saying it, the stubbornness was there and that they just kept going and going with the same kind of thing and there was no joy. They never even had a chance, did they? No, they never had a chance. No shots on target. Um, stubbornness is a good word. We've used tactical arrogance. Now, the fan base are, quite frankly, the fuming and they're going to be up that for, for a reason. Let me ask. Let me ask you that. I don't think. I don't think anybody imagined that winning the Champions League this year was any kind of realistic possibility for this squad. Yeah. Regardless of Jovinko Altidore being there, I just felt that uh, after last season it, it peaked and fans loved it and they enjoyed it. I think now the emphasis on March the second against Philadelphia from day one has always been a TFC's fans' priority. Get it right, quick, and. Is this something, that if you're a fan, that you can maybe take a little bit of positive from it, knowing that, I'm sorry, you can't have any more benefit of the doubt. You've got to get this right. Because the, the preparation and the recruitment from the end of October to now the middle of February for a club at a high level of Major League Soccer has to be said, has, lead, has led a lot to be desired. Yeah. It hasn't, they haven't filled enough, they haven't brought enough players in of quality to win football matches yet. And as fans, the fans pay an enormous amount of money with their ticket prices, with their time and the investment, with their cable packages, they, they, they have a right to require better players on this squad than they have right now. And they have a right to ask if they're not there by the beginning of the MLS season, why aren't they there? And maybe a right to ask now, why weren't they there today? They have a right to ask that. And I think TFC have got to act very, very quickly here. Um, maybe this gets into the discussion about Pozuelo and where we think where we think they're at. Because, you know, as as Terry said to me today, if you're waking up in the morning in Belgium and you're Genk, you're just like, oh, another 10 million for Pozuelo, lads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? You're holding them to ransom, aren't you? Yeah. You know? Yeah, because you know the, the, the desperation factor just goes up another 10 notches, doesn't right. it? Because uh, they're a team in need of recruitment, need of players, and need of quality players. And so when you're holding that jewel, that player that they see as being important, Genk will just be laughing. They'll be loving the situation. And I have to say, near the end of the game, I did, my mind did wonder to, was Sebastian Jovinko watching this or is mm -hmm. he going to wake up uh, and, and see the score and go, you know, I wonder what he's thinking. Of go. course, he's got teammates and friends within that team, but um, not saying he would have been the only one that would have helped that situation. But back to your first point, I want to, to make this before we maybe move on. Greg Vanny is at a real crossroads here. Mm. And we talk the about all the franchises, time. by the way. Exactly. But, yeah. but but let's talk about Greg Vanny as, as a coach and, and adamant that he wants to play this formation. And so we mentioned the word stubbornness, but we've said it with Sari, we've said it with Pep in the past, Klopp, Pochettino, world-class managers. I'm not saying Greg Fanny's world-class, but he's a manager who... Of significant stature in MLS. Exactly, and thinks deeply about the game. 100%. And, and, and puts a lot of work into the tactics and the the uh, running of, of a team and the, and the way that he wants them to play. He's at a real crossroads because does he stay stubborn and does he keep pushing forward with this recruitment or not? One player in, two players in, three players in. Or does he just try and get results? Mm -hmm. Because he's under a lot of pressure. He won MLS Cup in 2017, outstanding season, deserved the blip of 2018. 
and the the problems that came there. But now he's at a position and at a point where the pressure is really on him. Is he the guy to take this team forward? Does he have the ability to reinvent this team, find a system, a way of playing and play it properly with a franchise that expects success? Mm -hmm. And I would say that there seems to be a problem there with culture, with values. And I don't think I'll say that after 2017. Every single day, every single game, they answered the questions. They looked like a team completely focused on their goal. They now look like a team with no vision towards any goal. They look like they've, you know, there was the, the hassle with Van der Weel. Yeah. There was the troubles that came with Giovinco. It's not just on Greg. It's on the whole organisation. It's on a front office as well. Yep. But Greg Vanny is the man that sees that team and speaks to that team more than anybody else. And there's a problem there right now with culture. They don't look like they're up for a number of games. That's a big issue for me. And so again, I feel he's at a crossroads. He is at his most vital time as TFC manager. He's got to galvanise him. He's got to do whatever he has to, even if it goes against his principles. And how often do you ever hear me say that, KJ? No. I never say it, you do You never I? say it, no. no. I never say it, but I feel this is the time for him. He needs to, he does not have anywhere near the players to play the style that he wants to play. So he has to galvanise a group, find a grit and a determination, get back to someone like 2017, and get back to winning ways first and foremost, and then build from there. Mm, I'm with you. The one thing I'd add to, add to that is that I spent a lot of time with the group last week and speaking to a lot of the players. And, you know, everybody who I spoke to, they were very positive about it. They came away from preseason. They said, we're in a good mindset. Back to your point about mindset. They said that we're, we're feeling very positive. We like the system. And you know what? I believe all of that was real. I believe all that was real. Because I think you can take a group of players and, and, and an honest, decent bunch of lads in any in any in any in any level of football, and you can get that take from them. But you know what? They don't have they don't have class. There's no substitute for class. Yeah. You can have all that you can have all that in the world, but you need difference makers. Yeah. And they don't have difference makers, and that's that, that is on Greg Vanny. I understand that, but that bunch of players out there tonight, and I, and I know you said about desire, but. Ultimately, the concern for fans would be, is that all you have? If that's all you can give me as talent, then okay, we'll have to expect, we'll we have to accept that. And if you're evaluating that club and you go, that is, a, if that's all you can give us on talent as a group of players, we better get quickly. We get, we get some class in here fast yeah. because otherwise, if you think last year was bad, wait for 2019. But what do you have to do if you're lacking in talent? You've got to stop goals and you've got to just, you've got to, you've got you've to got roll, to the, sleeves roll up. the sleeves up, yeah. bring the desire and you've got to be able to shut down the opposition and just say, we're going to go out there last night and we're going to do whatever we can to make sure we win the match. Be tough to beat. Be tough to beat. Be resolute. All the things needed to win football matches earn the right to play. Mm -hmm. Back to the start. That's the first and foremost. That is like the non-negotiable. We talk about my brother talks about that a lot in, in football and I, I love it non-negotiables there's there's non-negotiables within a squad there's certain rules and regulations that are above and beyond the tactics and the technical side of the game they're non-negotiables and one of them is you're ready to go at 3pm or 7pm or 8pm whenever that game is you go on that field you win your battles you do your job and we don't we're not seeing that enough from TFC we're not seeing a side that are ready to go and roll the sleeves up and compete regardless of talent regardless of quality and I think they've got a little bit of a culture problem and it's going to take the leaders Greg Vanny is the leader of that team 
It's going to take Michael Bradley as captain, Josie, all the guys, Laurent Simon, mm. Mavinga, Drew Moore, even though he's injured tonight. Everyone needs to get together and, and, and galvanise and regroup and get this team together because there's too many factions, there's been too many issues, too many stories, too much stuff going on out with the sanctimony of that changing room. And they need to find that and get it back because they had it and they had it reasonably, recently, sorry, with the nucleus of that group. They've lost it. If they don't get it back, they'll never be able to win games consistently. Interesting stuff. Um, very often we go through these and we have like three games to review, but I think we just did the one tonight, lads. I think that's enough. Um, although maybe a quick thought before we get to um, yeah. the next segment, which will be Shawnee's with his headlines. But we did sit at TSN together this afternoon and watch Bayern Liverpool. Um, ended uh, nil-nil at Anfield. Yeah. A very good first half and second half. Maybe the coaches got their fingertips on it and <laughs> killed the game a little bit, as coaches can often do. Um, but in the end, um, a tantalising prospect that it's difficult to really pick a favourite going into the second leg. KJ, wasn't it? Was That's KG, the word. Yeah. And I think that, not KJ, KJ. <laughs> it's my accent. That's Everyone right. will be like, what's yeah. he saying? KJ. No, uh, a KJ match, two teams that... We're very respectful of the qualities of each other. And I think Liverpool shaded it. They probably should have scored. Manny had a few chances. He did, yes. You should have put in the back of the net in a game of of, of fine margins. This is, tie was always going to be, I think Manny had the best chances in Liverpool would feel that they maybe deserved the one they'll lead. Probably the one area of difference why he's not quite Mo Salah, no? Yeah, That's, it is. The composure, wasn't yeah. it? It's, it's the way that Salah finishes when he gets into the areas. It's just there. He takes the two when he needs it to. He prods it with the left or, you know, he, he finds the kind of finish needed for the moment and, and Manny couldn't quite do that even though, he, you know, he's a wonderful player and he gets himself into positions. But uh, I think the second leg will be the same, KJ. I don't know what you think, but I, mm. I think these two teams have a great deal of respect for each other and I'm not sure they're going to come uh, into Munich and open up and, and sort of go for it. I think it might be similar. Yeah, I think it might be too. Um, Nico Kovac said after the game, I can't remember many clubs who have avoided defeat and kept a clean sheet here. Pep Guardiola with City did it. I think the fact that we restricted them to very few chances shows that we played very well tactically, although I can never celebrate a nil-nil draw. So yeah. it kind of sums it up, doesn't it, really? Um, um, also, the last, I think, since 1992, the team in Bayern Munich situation have gone on have gone through 22 of the 31 times by getting a nil-nil away from home. Um, so they probably have a slight edge, although we said it's very difficult to not imagine Liverpool scoring in, yeah. in Munich and you get that one goal particularly if you score first the 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 weight of the away goal will be enormous but um, a fascinating time by the way the other game was a really good game as well Leon Barcelona just absolutely brilliant pretty even match wasn't pack, it yeah. Barcelona uh, pushing know, at the end, end but end, Leon had chances Leon are a, a very exciting team um, but yeah uh, there are three. they are the way to handle three games as we often uh, do <laughs> but this time we did it very differently than normal and um, Shawnee over to you for some headlines before we get back to uh, many of those TFC fans jumping off their ledge out of their condos tonight <laughs> A little light in the headlines, but once again, we'll, we'll hit, hit him hard with the Ask AFP. Nanny has joined uh, Orlando City from Lisbon. Thoughts on the signing? Is he the guy that's going to lead the Lions to glory? I'll be surprised. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I whenever I think of Nanny, and this is probably a better story for you, Shawnee, than, than anyone else, but back when we were at the score, we had the footy show, 
we did like a top 100 i think i used to do top 100 lists or whatever and then i remember me and shams were on, on doing stuff and we we're like if i remember him asking me is there one player on this list that you could be you could see going jumping like 20 or 30 places to be the best player next year and i remember thinking well at the time nanny nanny could be that player and ever since then he's just been a lazy sod it's just like <laughs> it's been like a decade like it's like he's just still waiting still waiting so you know, now he's come to a level where Nanny with Orlando is at the level where maybe Nanny with Man United was a decade ago. And maybe you think, okay, maybe it could come easy for him, but um yeah. I'm 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 questionable. I'm 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 on the fence with this one a little bit, but boy oh boy, it's I think it's a bit of a risky signing for me. Yeah, it's it's a risky signing. You never really know what you're going to get from Nanny. The guy has undoubted ability. He's he's proved at a pretty high level, so can he can he make that work in MLS? Absolutely. But the, the one, that, the word that stuck out to me in, the, in that uh, question, Sean, was lead. I don't see him as a leader, you know. And and I know as a DP on substantial money, will be expected to lead a squad, mm. be an example, be there in training, and all the things that, that designated players have to kind of stand up and, and be counted. And when when you move to MLS, and I don't think he's going to be that guy. He's going to have to be given the ball in advantageous situations and then I think he can get double figures, goals and assists. Absolutely, he's going to have incredible talent. But a team has to be built around getting him to the ball in the area that that he likes to be and then he might be influential. But I don't expect him leading and I think it's a bit of a risk from Orlando City. Harry Kane is back training. Uh, he, is he back to solidify their third place finish? Or is he back to win Spurs a trophy? Is this hashtag AS, Ask AFP from Sean in Toronto? <laughs> <laughs> you want them to win a trophy. Um, I don't know if they're going to win a trophy, um, but is he back to solidify their third place finish? Absolutely. They'll be fine with him. By the way, they've not really missed him much. Um, um, can he win them a trophy? Uh, Champions League, but it's going to be tough. But we said all along they're going to beat Dortmund. Sean, he didn't believe us, but they did it. I'm thinking oh, league. Yeah. Oh, come on, mate. I'm telling you, they're going to be in the hunt. They're getting by, boys coming back at the right time. They're going to be in the hunt. They've had their little bit of a blip. It's going to be a tall ask for them to win it. But with him coming back with a kind of attitude and, and, and leadership that he brings to that team, Ali as well, the form that Ericsson's in, one of the best managers in the world in Pochettino. I think they'll be in the hunt and I think they'll go deeper than people expect and who knows can he be that guy we'll have to wait and see they're definitely lacking a little bit from Manchester City and Liverpool you're looking at me with disgusted eyes I'm here, just like not? it's late I know but like, <laughs> have you had a few pints since you asked since last I'm day. telling you they're All in right. the hunt All they're right. in the hunt um, Tottenham for, Tottenham's um, finishing position at the end of the season uh, I'll set the over under at two and a half you're going over <laughs> or under <laughs> Under. <laughs> uh, no further questions, Your Honour. What was the point of that? Huh? <laughs> They're in the hunt. They'll be there till near the end. We'll finish that. Just not the end. <laughs> uh, reports have uh, Mauro Icardi on his way out of Inter Milan after being stripped of his captaincy. Is this the end for him at Inter, or do you see the uh, attacker staying? Ah. Uh. This guy's a mental case. Oh, he? He's brilliant. He's, a he's nose, absolutely he? brilliant. Oh. I love him, but he's a mental case. Do I see him staying? Absolutely not. Um, you've got the uh, the shambles of Inter Milan with the shambles of Mario Icardi. It was just a marriage made in hell. It was never going to work. Both sides are just complete 
out of control. Yeah. Um, where does that? Th- where, where, where do I think he would go? Maybe Juventus. Maybe they might calm him down for a couple of years. But he's basically, a, you know, and sorry if you're listening, Zlatan. You're getting old. He's a modern day Zlatan, isn't he? Yeah. But he, I'm not quite sure he's good as as good as him. He, he's worse than Zlatan. He's, he's, he's just, way worse than Zlatan, and and he doesn't. He scored a lot of goals for Inter Milan. He's, he's a very, very, very good player, but he's not Zlatan. He doesn't have the personality of no. Zlatan. Zlatan, for all these flamboyance and crazy quotes and the way he acts, is pretty much always a good teammate. You never really hear his teammates That's speaking true. that badly about him. Yeah. You know, I know he had the, the feud with Pep, but even then at Barcelona, the teammates never really had a problem with him. You know, right. but whereas this guy, he upsets his teammates. He's class, though, mate. He's, he's he a is good brilliant. player, but would you pay 110 no. million euros for him? I think that's his release clause. No. Would you pay that? Would you take that risk if you were Real Madrid? I just or? told you I wasn't sure about Nanny, so <laughs> no chance. It's 110 million. Like, he's too much of a hassle, no is. matter how good he is, you yeah. know, and, and he's, he, you know, he's not Ronaldo and Messi. He's right. a very, very good player, but he's too much of a risk. He's too much of a hassle. He's too much of a loose cannon, like you said, and so... Chelsea? Ugh, yeah. It sounds <laughs> like he's going to be set up. He's going to get his move and he's going to go somewhere, whether it's for that amount of money or Inter Milan, just go, this guy's such a headache. I'm going to let him go for 75 or, or 80 million, who knows? But really, I just wish he would... He would do his talking on the football pitch because between him and his wife and the, the stuff we hear between teammates I'm not and going there, Peri- no but Perisic no, I, I get she said something in the press about him and she I think she's his agent now as the well the English tabloids with the Cardi that would be, me- oh, that would be immense oh. that's what I'll say <laughs> send him to Stamford Bridge reports out of Spain have Madrid looking to replace Luka Modric at season's ends with Pogba and Eriksen as the favourites to replace Whoa. if you were in Madrid who do you choose to fill, fit in the midfield wow what a question um. Wow. Um. I think I'm going to go with a player who I think's got a release clause of 150 million euros. But you know what? I'd pay it. I'd go right across the city and I'd go to Sal Niguez and I'd say, "Come play for us," because I think he's absolutely magnificent. And right now, I just think Atletico are stuttering a little bit, and I know they just give Simeone a new deal. But I'm telling you, this guy, people talk about Pogba, Ericsson, Sal Niguez is, is, he is probably the most underrated world-class footballer on the planet. He's that good. And he should be playing. And if, I know Atletico Madrid are, and I love them, but look, it's Real Madrid. Like, if you got a chance to go to Real Madrid, yeah. I'd go and get him. He'd play him in midfield. He's, I think he's 23, 20, he's probably 24. Play, he could play there for 10 years. 150 million, easy. Get it done. I love Sal Nuguez. I think he's he's a wonderful player, KJ, but I, I'm not sure he brings the same as what Modric brings, that creativity, that just moment of magic that, that Modric does, the, the way that he glides around the pitch. Sal Nuguez is more of a, a powerful player. He has tons of quality to his game as well. So he could do it, I think. Eh, maybe. In that instance, I, I'm thinking Eriksson, the form that he's been in, he really is becoming world class. Uh, we've been harping on about this for a while now. He, yeah. He's now grabbing the game by the scruff of the neck and and owning the game. If he gets into the all white of Real Madrid, I think he can go up another level or two. Mm. Um, and I love his attitude. And I, and I think in terms of style, he's probably the closest to Modric. But wouldn't you want to just keep looking Modric for another couple of years? Yeah, he looks yeah. like he's doing pretty fine for me and uh, keep him there. And there's still not many people that get very close to him. It's true. What is new in Pozuelo watch? <laughs> um, he's still playing well for Genk. Uh, TFC, TFC still want him. TFC have got people very close to over there to try and see if they can get him. 
And um, from what I'm hearing, it is becoming very precarious to a point where TFC may have to walk away if they don't get what they want very, very soon. It is basically um, like the parent trying to shop for that toy for his, for the kid at Christmas. It's like December 23rd at this point. Isn't <laughs> yeah. it? it is, isn't it? You better find Rushing it. You better find that toy fast. Yeah. Um, no more calling Amazon or eBay. They're all gone. Yeah. You know, you've got to get this toy fast. Go find it. And if not, you better get someone else because tomorrow's Christmas Eve. What was that Arnold Schwarzenegger movie where he's running around looking for the toy? You remember it? I don't know. Christmas movie. Jingle I can't remember. All the Way? Jingle All the Way. That was it. Ali Curtis Sounds is like rubbish. Arnold Schwarzenegger right now. He's running around, just <laughs> running around Belgium, just trying to grab Putzwell and put him on a jet and bring him back to Toronto. Oh, oh, oh. He needs him. He's got a bag of cash and he's offering it to Genk to, to get this guy back. Yeah. They're desperate for him. They, they, they've pinpointed him. Ali slides way down with cash, <laughs> yeah. particularly after the game. Yeah. yeah, and I'm yeah. not sure what their their list below puts well is. So no. you know, after that result tonight, he becomes even more desirable, and, and Genk will know that, and maybe TFC have to pay a little bit more, which is a risk in itself. Uh, but let's see, is uh, a guy that they want. I, I think Genk are really dragging their heels here, and rightly so. They're they're close to winning a championship, yep. KJ, and this guy's their captain and. There was an agreement there for him to stay through the window. So, you know, I, I'm sort of a gank on this one. I, I can see why they want to keep him. He has a release clause. He's going to get signed for that amount of money by somebody come the summer. Player so wants to come. We need to say that. He does. He does want to come. But I'm always a guy that, that thinks you should honour your contract. I, I have to say that. I, I think I honoured every contract I ever had till Sunderland kicked me out. I'm going to we'll say basically they one. told you when you were done yeah. the other way around. It was yeah, like it wasn't basically the, yeah. I signed a contract and they were like, you should probably leave now. Yeah. But I pretty much got to the end of most of my contracts and I was always a guy that liked to honour my contract. And right. I know he wants to go. That should have been internal stuff. Once you're told, look, you're staying till the summer, then, you know, you just roll up your sleeves again back to that attitude and yep. you just go on with your job win a title lift a trophy for you know a great club who I've, I don't know how many years but I don't think they won the Belgian league for a long time um, and then off you trot to wherever you want to go if he does want to break his contract and come does that sorry to interrupt but does that not put a bit of a red flag if you're a TFC as well yeah a little bit does. like what's stopping him next year from doing it again if like some Saudi team like Al Hilal yeah. calls in and says we need a replacement because <laughs> Seba's gone somewhere else <laughs> yeah Right? No, I, you're right. It's it about does. integrity and about the player and about just doing your job. And it seems like this guy is really pushing for the move as well. Because I think TFC would have moved on if he was like, okay, yeah, you know, there was yeah. something about coercion. Yeah. And, and uh, Genk was saying, no way, there was none of that going on. He agreed to it. And so legally, you know, there, there, there's no way that this guy's leaving Genk unless they give That's the right. permission. So just get on with the job. You, you know, you, it's a great honour to be captain of a club and, and he should respect the honour that he has of wearing the armband for Genk and, and help them to lift the trophy. With CONCACAF Champions League underway, who do you see going the farthest out of the MLS teams? Well, saw a point for TFC fans tonight. So oh. Hitting them where it's hard. Yeah. Uh, New York Red Bulls is my answer. I think they've got the easiest draw. Um, Atlanta, I think, have got the, the mammoth Monterey team in yeah. their side of things. So uh, Red Bulls, um, just, I think... Houston won, I think, 1-0, by the way, tonight. I think they? They, I think they won 1-0. Um, but uh, Tigris got beat at Saprissa yeah, by a goal to nil. That looked magnificent, that, yeah, didn't that it? that looked a tremendous game. So um, Red Bulls, I think, are on that half of the draw. 
and, and then if they get through, they probably will play Santos Laguna. And I liked a lot of what the Red Bulls did last season when they were in that. Went obviously got very close to winning, and Juventus Guadalajara in the semi-finals narrowly beat them. So uh, they would be, I think, our consensus pick. Yeah, I think so. They're on the right side of the draw. Atlanta or maybe the obvious pick, but, but they're going to have a, a tough challenge to, to get through the team. They're not they playing have. games at home either, This the first leg, yeah. because of the, uh, I think, the monster trucks going on. <sighs> in, uh, what in a disaster that is. How was that scheduling done? You know, how, how was that worse, an oversight losing, What's there, worse, losing know? 4-0 or getting kicked out by monster trucks? <laughs> well, uh, tell us at hashtag, hashtag AskAFP. <laughs> Yeah, Red Bulls. Red Bulls look good. They've got a lot of quality. Um, but isn't this competition really heating up? It's brilliant. Yeah. You see Saprisa, we watched the highlights uh, at halftime, and the crowd was brilliant. They're playing against the mighty Tigres. Tremendous. They had the chances. They get their goal in the second half. Uh, Independiente, you know, their first campaign, and they're winning 4-0 against TFC, who were an inch away from winning it last year. And I, I really feel this competition's becoming... Truly legitimate, and and all across Central America, the leagues are getting stronger. There's player. Everybody wants to be MLS now, KJ. Mm-hmm. The players are are sensing that it's a shop window. I said it in the broadcast. They're out there, you know. That they're, they're proving. Ivy was magnificent tonight. Brown. They're seeing that as an opportunity. To, the MLS are watching. We want to go there. We know that's where the box is coming to, and it's the league to be in. And then it's maybe a stepping stone, or you can forge a wonderful career there. And the quality of performances from some of the smaller teams has been a joy to watch. Yeah, you, you bang on. I said it briefly today into TSN. Look, I think any time in modern day football now, no matter who's playing who, you know, if you dis- if you if you go out there and you believe you're going to win that game, it's, it's just that's just not the way the game is in 2019. No. It's not how it was in the 50s or 60s. The discrepancy between the t- the team at the other side, it's just that's why you see th- these kind of things happening all over the world. That's why you see Wimbledon knocking West Ham out in the FA Cup. Yeah. There's just so many of those examples of them, and that was it again today. And I think your point about being in the shot window is so crucial. Spoke to so many players and coaches and agents this off season. That everybody's got their eye on MLS, and I mean everybody. Spoke to Nico Ladero, and he's and I asked him about Suarez and Cavani coming, and he laughed at me. He goes, "Of course, it's exactly where they want to be. Yeah. They want to come. Everybody wants to come. Uh, so yeah, eventually maybe they'll be here too." Moving on to Ask AFP. Let's get it in. Let's get some of these questions. Although I think we've got like 100 TFC ones, but we might be here till three in the morning. But yeah, a lot good. of them are the same questions, so I'll let you know. we probably already hit many of the questions, but yeah, let us know. Uh, Will asks, uh, who's getting promoted from the championship this year? Well, you and I were talking about a championship team today, as we often have many discussions yeah. about, about football. Uh, we were talking about a certain team that we start to like a lot and that we think are going to come up. And that team is West Brom. Yeah. They won 3-2 today. They scored in the last minute. Um, they've got some really good players. They can feel it. They're growing in them. I think they moved up to fourth. So I think they may get one of the top two spots, the way they're going. Um, Norwich looked like a team very, very organized as well. Um, <clears throat> they've got a real identity about them. And I'm going to have a say that maybe Chef United might come up. Oh, no. Only because I'm going to be Wild friends. Man, if you're listening. He's not listening. Come on. He's not listening. <laughs> like, he's just, maybe he listened to the TFC stuff before. <laughs> Can't believe you said this. Can't believe you said that. Uh, you know, that's what he'll be doing. Um, but we'll see like Luke, Luke live on uh, the 28th. Uh, please come. Um, I think Chef United, because I think Wildman's yeah. going to the 28th. So I went with that. And you know why I didn't say Leeds? Because I got a sneaky feeling that you, that Bielsa's a magician, right? Look at his teams. They get knackered at the end of the year. Yeah. Every time. And we've seen a bit of a nosedive now. And boy, oh boy, what have we got? The 14, 
games left you can speak to this more than I can ever it's a marathon this championship oh yeah it's an absolute grind and it just keeps rolling along and it's the the weeks normally the midweeks I always think of like Barnsley or places like that in a midweek and I know they're not in the championship this year but they tough places to go where you have to go there and you don't have 100% to give You, you need to just be in a good shape wait in your moments score a goal defend resolutely come away with a 1-0 and that to me is my knowledge of championship I won it with Sunderland mental toughness mental toughness yeah. tough players guys that know their roles guys that know how to play 50-60 games a year um, and grinding it out is, is a massive part of it um, and this lead side have been tremendous in the mm-hmm. first half of the season then we had the, the controversy of the, the spying from uh, Bielsa's assistant his intern and all of a sudden, it's getting a little bit tense. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not seeing the same quality. We're not seeing the same work rate. There's issues there. I hope I'm wrong. I'd love to see Leeds come up. I have yeah. to say, I, I played for Leeds for six months, KJ, and it's an amazing club. Unfortunately, we got relegated from the Premier League. They've never been back since. Mm-hmm. I think that was all four, was it? Or three yep. or four. Yep. And it's been a long time and a fan base that, that deserve it. A stadium that will be rocking next year if they're in the Premier League Ellen Road it's one of my favourite places to play in the whole of football it's, it's great when it's ground. lively and yeah. they're, they're, they're singing their songs It's there's nowhere like it it's really great so I hope Leeds but I'm with you I like West Brom I like the players that they have I like the way that they play an old assistant of mine Graham Jones who was with Roberto Martinez at mm. all his clubs Swansea, Wigan and, and also the Belgium national team went back to West Brom to work with Darren Moore to help a young manager who, who's been pretty good he's got the kind of motivational side get the guys ready get the guys up for it and Jonesy comes in with a little bit of the tactics and the structure and it's really working for him at the moment a good friend of mine Nick Davies the the sports scientist one of the best in the business Mm -hmm. so I'm not doubting them physically he'll have them peaking at the right time they seem to be motoring along they have a good spirit they have choices as well to pick from so maybe they'll just manage to push themselves into the automatic places. Maybe we'll get Leeds versus uh, Derby in the playoffs. That'd be great. Oh, that would be hilarious, (laughs) wouldn't it? Mark asks, do you think that Man City are going to do the quadruple this year? No. No. I don't think they're going to do the quadruple. Um, What are they going to win? I think they're going to win the Cup Sunday against um, just a Chelsea team in shambles right now. It's just, I mean, we didn't get to touch on them, but that game against the United in the cup, they were outplayed in every, every facet of the game, every facet of the game. And you and I are big Sarri fans. We yeah. want Sarri ball to work. We're not chanting F Sarri ball like the crowd at Stamford no. Bridge were by the end, yeah. by the way. It was getting pretty it was nasty, wasn't nasty, it? ferocious. Yeah. This guy, you talk about the benefit of the doubt, doubt factor in life. This guy, I feel, has been, has, has been parachuted in the, into the Premier League without a benefit of the doubt. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say. Because I don't think many people in, in England, one, either care whether he did anything at Napoli and two, don't even, didn't, even, didn't even watch it anyway. No, they've probably so, never even seen so his team play. They don't care you know? about that, you know. So he's not got that benefit of the doubt. Uh, I know we're going in a different direction to this, but I think City will beat Chelsea yeah. in the final. Um, um, but Chelsea are a mess. I think City will probably win. I think they could win the FA Cup. There's not many teams left. Um and as for the league, they're starting to look like favourites again. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I think they can win all four. I don't think they're going to mm. because it's just, there's moments where it's just really difficult to keep that up. Now, yeah, I agree with you. The, you know, League Cup seems very likely against a Chelsea side just with, with nothing going for them at the moment. The league, they're in a right battle. I, 
It's a hard one because when I think individually with every competition, KG, I, I give them a, a, a very good chance of winning it, but I just I just know how hard it is to keep finding the consistency of performance in a cup competition. Yeah. You know, and you have that one bad half in the Champions League and you're out. And we've saw that from them in the past. You have that one bad game in the cup and, and you're out kind of thing, you know. So to me, uh, to win all four would, would just be monumental. It would be incredible to, to keep up that level of concentration to get the job done. They've got the quality to do it. I don't think they'll do it. I think they'll probably get two of the four. Mm. And one of those four will be the Sunday, as I said, the uh, Carabao Cup final at Wembley goes 11.30 Eastern Chelsea's Manchester City. And I'm sure that will be one of our games that we'll end up covering this week. Andy asks, are Tottenham overperforming or underperforming this year? I think they're overperforming um, based on the amount of money spent. Uh, clearly, because they became the first team, I think, since 2003 to not go to go through a whole year without without buying a player. I uh, I think that their points per game is is remarkable, um, considering that they could set a record by finishing um, the amount of points they're going to get by finishing third. And I think that we're still allowed to say they're overperforming because we're still seeing players develop in front of our eyes I have a hard time looking at a lot of these players going you're underperforming I think that a lot of those players and we've been talking a lot today about getting the best out of an individual profile of a player I think that they they're squeezing everything out of these players um, and sometimes you know that's all they can offer but I, I, I would say they're definitely um, overperforming considering what they've done individually 100% overperforming uh, Pochettino's made every single player in that squad considerably better yeah than before he got them. As a team, I also agree that they're overperforming. You look at the vast sums of money that, that Liverpool and, and City are spending consistently and, and Tottenham are hanging in there. They're close enough. The style of play really suits them. He's moulded their players and that team into a, a, a wonderful style, a difficult way of playing. We've talked recently about them sort of going to a plan B and being a bit different and a bit more direct, which I thought was was bold and brave to mm -hmm. go away from that. I'm sure he, he, he doesn't love playing like that, but he gets Harry Kane injured. He knows that Llorente cannot play like Harry Kane or Son or Mora, whoever he's asking to play that central role. So he changes his style a little bit, comes up with different ideas and different options. And uh, they're a club that have just been tremendous. And they did something really bold about a year ago. They, they decided it was better to keep the guys that they had than to worry about losing them and then you know uh, recruiting yet again yeah. that was a bold thing to do KJ wasn't it you know to, to actually say okay we need to make sure we keep these four and five guys gave them the big deals needed to keep them at the time was a brave thing to do for a football club knowing that if you didn't get that wrong you were going to be lambasted in the media and by your fan base and I thought that was uh, very confident and again a guy who assesses his talent he knows what he's mm. got he knows that he can't even get really any better than what he had for the same price of money. So sign him up to a longer deal and stick with the people. Yeah, I love it, particularly in this era now where we're, we're in an era where obviously fans have so much to say in social media that it was almost like it's it's almost like saying, okay, well, a lot of clubs, they just want the, the shiny new toy, the novelty factor. Okay, bring me a new player so I can feel like we're getting better. Yeah. Well, at Tottenham, I don't feel like, depending on who that player was, obviously, who would, who would have made you better? What they did was they've turned average players into being very good. 
you know, very good, and very yeah. good players into being world class. And that's the that's a trait that what Sir Alex Ferguson used to do. Yeah. You get the best out of these players. And subsequently what you've done is then you give them contract extensions because you try to match their value of worth within your own within your own building and, and, and by giving them the extra money for the contract to try and keep them there. And then what you do is that you then suddenly every single week have players worth between 50 and 150 million in every position playing for you. And so then you say, okay, well, who's going to make us better? Well, the only people who are going to make us better are players worth 75 to 100 million who we've never bought. We've never bought those. We've created those players. So we can't go out there and buy a 75 to 100 million pound player. One, because we can't afford it. And two, because who are we going to get anyway to come at this point? So their idea is continue to do, okay, Lucas Moura, 23 million, will make you into a 60 million pound player. You know, consistently, Sissoko, everyone thought you were rubbish. We're going to bring you in. We've made you better. Everybody yeah. everybody has fundamentally become better. Davinson Sanchez, 35 million, will turn you into a 70 million pound player. You know, and Foyt is the next one. That's what, the, they, are the, they are the operations, they are the stores that they are shopping in. And for anyone to think that they're just going to go out there and buy a 100 million pound player, it's just, they're just not watching what Tottenham, are, how they're operating. Yeah, so can I ask you a question here? This is interesting to me. Let's say, let's assume that Tottenham miss out again. They're maybe five or six points off. They finish in third right. and they keep Mauricio Pochettino. Right. What do they have to do in the summer to get closer, to, to, to challenge even more? Where do they need to go? Who do they need to recruit? What, what would you think they need to do? I think they probably need a central midfielder. That's what I would think. Uh, I think that it's been proven that when they played Eric Dyer there, that they could get better. I think Winks has shown a great signs of that. Yeah. Um, I think the Dembele loss is an area of the squad where you go, yeah, what he was a couple of years ago, that dynam- dynamism yeah. from midfield, left-footed, opened the game up, somebody like that. I can see that they need to find that kind of player. Now, who that is, I'm not, you know, we can get it sit here all night and talk yeah. about different profiles of, of players. Um, you know, whether you can somehow get Julian Weigel from Dortmund or somebody like yeah. that, who can you can say, yeah, if you're fit, you're playing every single week in central midfield for me. And then you can, uh, and then go from there. Whether there's anybody domestically who's a little bit lower than Tottenham on that radar in the Premier League yeah. right now, I'm not quite sure. You, you know, that, yeah. that, you know whether they can go out and get a better left back. Somebody like I was that, thinking you that. Know. You know, that that to me is a big dilemma for me. Juan Bissaka from Palace, maybe. Exactly. So, so I think Pochettino, if he decides to stay, a, a massive if. That's his dilemma. You know, how do we get better? Where do we go? Who do we buy? Is it? You know, I think Trippi and Ori. Mm. I'm not sure you can win a game, a, a league, sorry, title with you guys against quality of City and Liverpool. Same with Ben Davies. Uh, again, vast improvements in yeah. all the guys, but I don't know if they can get to that level needed. And and maybe Loris in the goals, you know, he, he's getting on a little bit. He's been a great keeper, but we think he makes too many mistakes. So do they upgrade there? And and that to me is going to be a difficult decision for Tottenham. You know, they're close and they're improving, but if they get to this summer and they're finished in third and they're still six or seven points off it, and they move into that magnificent new stadium. Are they going to go out there and and buy that midfielder, or or, or go and get two sixty million pounds left back and right back? You know, go Declan get, Rice, someone like that, or yeah. or spend seventy million on a young goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Let's see if if they're going to go like that. Because if they don't, I think the Hurricanes and the Alleys and the Ericsons might just think yeah. mm, Madrid, Barcelona, yeah. whoever, Manchester United. 
we're going to start moving on to, to somewhere bigger to win trophies. Uh, Ken is asking for your thoughts on Liam Miller's loan to uh, Kilmarnock. Yeah, a very interesting move for him. You know, good move for him, isn't it's it? It's great. To he needs see. to play. We spoke to Liam a lot, and he needs to play. I, I, I was concerned that it was maybe a bit big for him, and I don't mean that in any disrespect yeah. for him. But Kilmarnock are not challenging, but Kilmarnock well, they were challenging until recently. KJ, I don't know they were never going to win. They were going to win it, but they were up there. They're in contention they were up for there. significant European spots. Um, I know he got like twelve minutes in his debut, didn't he? Um, so. It's it's a good environment for him to go, but he needs to play minutes, and he said that for many 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 months now. Yeah, he he needs to play. He, he didn't play at the weekend against Celtic. Didn't start, um, and and I'm worried that you know he ends up going there and he, he doesn't start many games because then it's well, it's not been wasted because he, he's moving in. Like I said, when he went there, he's to, in the first uh, team squad. He's in he? a first team environment. environment yeah. Now it's completely different. You can play. 300 games for for an academy team and then a reserve team and it's nothing like 10 games at a professional level even in lower leagues even in uh, inferior leagues and so his main job objective is to force myself into that team and try and find a position the, the, the one concern I have for Liam Miller and it's maybe a little bit of his a strength of his is he can play in a number of different areas but if you go too long like that KJ you end up not really pinning down a certain position and I'm a bit concerned about that with Miller he does great at right back for Canada against teams that they should be beating I don't know is he a number 10 is he, is he a wide right in a higher area but to me he needs to go to Kilmarnock he needs to try and force himself into the first team and he needs to find a role and a real consistency to that role that make people go okay this is his position and we're going to build things around him Yes, that's the key can he, can he do that at Kilmarnock but a, a good move from under a brilliant manager in, in Steve Clark. FC Fort, uh, thoughts on Diego Forlan rumored to the CPL? Let's get him in. Why not? Be amazing, wouldn't Let's it? Get him in. You know, at this point, like, how can we? I mean, I saw some negativity towards it on on social media. Well, of course, it's social media. <laughs> Why do we want to bring this guy in for? Why not? Why not? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, he's 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 thirty nine. You know, he's almost going to be 40. He's not going to have any legs. He's not going to do any defensive work. But, like, you're trying to build a foundation of a league here. And if he plays here for five minutes, I don't care. You know, people can say, I want to see Diego Forlan playing the Canadian Premier League. Already you've got, I think, anything that can get the discussion going. Now, I will say this. I don't want him coming here with a king's ransom. Like we don't need Diego Forlan coming here and bankrupting the Canadian Premier League. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So I, I can't speak for... I mean, I haven't got his agent's number right now, so I can't speak <laughs> whether which he's getting paid. But you know what I'm saying? Other than yeah, that, I agree. I, look, I don't think the Canadian Premier League's business model fits Diego Forlan, you know, coming here for a pretty penny. Yeah, no, it, it doesn't. And, and hopefully he's, he's not getting that because I think that could cause a lot of disharmony within the league you know when you've got well we talk about it in MLS between the designated players and, and, and some of the minimums but the difference in what you would expect for land to come for and, and what some of the guys have been paid would be substantial and then if he doesn't run around and he doesn't show the attitude there then becomes some serious problems but let's face it this is the start of a new league and mm. if Diego Forlan is standing in a forward position yeah. and he's wearing whoever's shirt with the captain's armband on, on Canadian soil, travelling up and down the country to go and play games. It's a magnificent start. The the uh, example alone 
and the, the kudos to bring somebody like that is, is massive for this league and if he gets the ball I don't care if he's 49 mm. and he's 20 yards for goal he'll put it in the back of the net Yep. You know, and, and he'll have an influence on the young players coming through, the players within his squad, the fans, his impact on the league. He's, he's been a great professional as well. This is not a guy that goes anywhere and doesn't, you know, kind of work hard. Or, great or guy, be, by the way. Exactly. Too. I've you know? a, never heard of many positives, never heard a bad word said about him. So it's never going to be negative. So get him in, let him play for a year or two, whatever it is, and, and, and help this league to build and grow. Daniel asks, who takes penalty kicks for Toronto FC here on in? <laughs> Terence Boyd. No, I'm serious. Terence Boyd. I think Terence Boyd will take yeah. him. You know why? Because right now, um, Pazuelo's not on Ali Curtis's sleigh coming back to Toronto. <laughs> so who else is going to have a go? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I wanted to give a shout out to uh, Shawnee K's mate, Martin Bailey, because he's brilliant with his Toronto FC penalty stats. Um, so if anybody's following him, the uh, Toronto F- uh, fan should be following at Martin with a Y underscore Bailey. Um, because, you know, we're going back and forth today on a few things, but um, when Boyd stepped up, I figured it would be him because, as, as I said at halftime, only Michael Bradley in the history of the club has taken a penalty in a regular game, not to shootout, and, yeah. he, and he missed back in 2014. I did think at first Azorio lifted his hand and wanted the ball, yeah. although I wasn't sure if he was just going to go get it for Terence because we were waiting <laughs> for the director to show it, but they never did. Yeah. Um, but I think at this point, unless Altidore's back, um, I think Josie's, I mean, Josie always pre, was, was always very comfortable taking penalties. In fact, he would often say, if Seba wants me to, I'll take them, but it would always kind of defer. Um, so at this point, from now on, I, I don't think anybody else is really uh, stepping up instead of him. No, and a centre forward should always take the penalties, in, in my opinion. You think? Yeah, they should be confident. They should step up and take the penalty yeah, kicks. I guess that's his position. That's your role. Yeah. You know, you've got a, a, a kick from 12 yards. You're a centre forward. If my centre forward was not grabbing that ball and going, his eyes are lighting up, this is my opportunity to get you know my stats up and get on the score sheet, I'd be disappointed. And I played with the best of the best in terms of that. Shearer always took the penalty kicks. Just, mm. I mean, he was brilliant at it, but he saw that as an opportunity to, even a guy as prolific as him, to get his, his stats yeah. up and his goals. Kevin Phillips was great at that too. Phillips was brilliant yeah. at penalties. When you look back at all the great strikers, they took the penalty kicks and I'm nothing against Terence Boyd stepping up today. I think that was the right thing to do. I think he'll do it again. If Josie's playing, he's the penalty taker. But he was a little bit unfortunate. It was a horrible turf. He leaned back just that little bit. And I really felt for him because you could see it right away in his face. Mm-hmm. He knew that was a great chance to launch his TFC career. And he, he, he was bitterly disappointed. And I, I, I'm not saying this from a, a mental point of view, like it affected him because he missed, but... He was just a little, he never got a lot of balls into him, but he was a little down after that moment. He yeah. knew he knew that it was there, didn't he? And so um, I think he'll grab the ball if he gets a chance again, and this time he'll put it in the back of the net. Last question, and I think this one was inspired by the TFC performance tonight. Rocco <laughs> asks, can teams play in MLS? Uh, can they play a 4-3-3 inverted fullback system a la City? <laughs> well. Rocco, it's uh, twelve thirteen a.m. Um, have you got an hour? Because uh, these lads want to go to bed. Um, can teams play four three three? Yeah, I guess they can. Look, it's it's Pep Guardiola's Manchester City, and this is Pep Guardiola. In the first three or four months of the Premier League, were rocked to the core. Four, you talk about four nils. Yeah. Ever- Everton four nil away. Yeah. Pep Guardiola in his press conference afterwards, resolute, this is how we're going to play. And this is not just talking about the fullback system coming in, but 
adamant that that's how they're going to play. And in the end, as as the great Javi Nandez predicted, Pep Guardiola changed English football. It's going to take somebody with some real gumption and some real strength of benefit of the doubt factor to go through these kind of results to, to truly implement something like this. And as we've covered at length in the beginning of this show, I'm not quite sure that TFC have that. And I don't think anybody in MLS truly has that right now to be able to do that. Yeah, I agree with you, KJ. Two things for me. You need, uh, and even at Pep's level with Man City, you need the players to play it. Mm. And a player as wonderful as Pablo Zabaleta couldn't really play it. It's true. So he needed the pieces and he had to go and spend crazy amounts of money to get the right guys to do it. And another thing that I think is critical here is that MLS is still a transition league. Players inexplicably give the ball away too easily through a lack of quality. They pass it to their team and then it's a transition. And if you're going to give a ball away that easily like we saw from TFC tonight um, and like we saw from, from City a little bit in, in the early days, you're wide open to be exploited. And the quality of players within MLS now are good enough to get down the channels, to get in the inside areas and make you pay. And so there is going to be teeth and problems. And to me, you need to make sure you have the guys that can keep possession that can keep the ball that know when to come in and when to go out because you see City do it they don't come in every time no they have a tactical awareness when to come in and when to stay out they do it at different times and my last point on this is City do it Munich did it Munich really started it Pep started it with Munich mm -hmm. with Alaba and, and, and Kimmich and uh, Lamb because they had the best wingers in the world they had Ribery and Robin and City do it now because they have two of the best 10 wingers in the world mm -hmm. in Raheem Sterling and Leroy Sani. And TFC at the moment don't have one winger. So you've got to make sure you've got the pieces and you're getting the ball to your best player in a 1v1 situation in space. Otherwise, the whole thing's pointless. Now, if Pep was at a team with no wingers, he wouldn't be wouldn't playing play this. No. He'd be playing something different. Yep. So go and get the wingers... And then work on the formation if they're going to do it successfully. Yeah, finally, I think Toronto FC turned 13 today. I think it was their 13th season. Um, I don't think they've had wingers um, since day one of the franchise. And if they have, uh, you can let me know. There's not been really very many. Yeah. It's been a fundamental problem since day one. My old teammate, Andy club. Welsh. Yeah, there you go. Was he really a winger? I don't, uh, I don't think he operated as a winger no. in that system, no. Um, and the other point about this is that the, the system that, that Rocco asks there, Pep uses it also as a defensive strategy yeah. to win the ball back against transition. And the, 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 this is the other thing I'm going to look for in MLS this year. The goals goals per game have been have, have never have been at a highest level for 17 years in Major League Soccer. I want to see teams start defending better. Yeah. That's to me what I want to see. And I think if you can do that as a team, don't, don't matter how you want to play it, defend better, you will be successful. And the best teams in MLS at the end of the season who succeed in the playoffs are the ones who defend the best. Figure that out first and then you can figure out what you're doing the rest of the way. 
Um, this has been a, a, a good show. Hopefully people have enjoyed it. That's the end of our Ask AFP. Thanks, Shawnee, for that. Um, it's a long one. It's a, By the way, we're into another day now. We started this on uh, <laughs> on Tuesday. We're now into Wednesday. Uh, but we will be back in studio on our regular Sunday night this week. So look for the podcast to don- download for your Monday commute to the office. Also, if you are in Toronto, um, in the Toronto area, tickets remain available to our live show on February the 28th at the Rivoli. Head to afootballpodcast.com to buy tickets tickets for that we will be back on sunday we hope you enjoyed this please rate and review let us know on twitter what you thought of it thanks to shawnee thanks for clay stevie pleasure let's get some sleep pleasure as always get some sleep night night thanks for listening